You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of November, which means there's only 63 days left until the White House chef can cook vegetables again. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, New York found the perfect Christmas tree for 2020. Louis Black predicts Donald Trump's future and Olympic star Lindsey Vonn joins us on the show. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Let's kick things off with Christmas, the only day of the year that you hope an intruder will sneak into your home. Yesterday was the official start of the holiday season as New York City put up its world-famous Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. And just like everything else in 2020, this year's tree is doing the best it can. The Rockefeller Christmas tree in New York City is usually, usually lifts our spirits this time of year, but this year, well, let's just say that by 2020 standards, it's pretty perfect. The tree was just put into place atop of Rockefeller Center. Look at all the holes and it just kinda, I don't know, it kinda looks like a very, like a Charlie Brown tree, like a large version of the Charlie Brown tree. No. No, 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 no. You leave that poor tree alone. You already killed it. Now you're gonna make fun of its appearance? Who are you people? Do you do this at funerals too? Damn, Uncle Mark, (laughs) you got fat, look at you. You can't even fit in that casket. (laughs) Anyway, rest in peace, we're gonna miss you. I mean, think about it. That tree has been through a pandemic, a race war, and a contested election. I think it deserves a round of applause for just staying upright. And by the way, It's not like that tree asked to be displayed to the world right now. It clearly needed more time to fill out and look good. That tree wasn't prepared. Imagine if you were going to a big party, but then they just grabbed you while you were getting dressed. Then everyone at the party's like, wow, just an undershirt and socks? You guys didn't give me time. I was gonna put on Spanx. And besides, I think putting up a tree like this is actually very responsible of New York City. The last thing we need in the middle of a pandemic is a big, beautiful tree that draws a giant crowd. With this tree, it is easy for everyone to be six feet apart. But let's move on to the human version of that tree. Donald Jiggy with it Trump. In his continuing efforts to find an alternative result to the 2020 elections, Trump on Twitter has already claimed victory in both Pennsylvania and Michigan. Congratulations, Trump, you're president on Twitter. But in reality, Both of those states are making like Melania and slapping his grubby little paws away. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that Republican observers in Philadelphia were given proper access under state law to view vote counting. It's the latest in a string of legal defeats for President Trump and his last ditch effort to challenge results in states that he's lost. New election drama unfolded in Michigan. A public Zoom call turned tense after two Republican canvassers in Wayne County, which includes Detroit, initially blocked the move to certify election results. Shame on you. Shame on you for leading to this level of corruption. You talked about not certifying Detroit, even though you acknowledged that Livonia, a city, by the way, 
I know you know is 95% white, had bigger variances than Detroit, which is 80% black. President Trump praised the attempt to challenge certification, tweeting having courage is a beautiful thing. But minutes later, the panel changed course, unanimously certifying the presidential results. Woof, what a roller coaster. Basically what happened was, the Republicans on this commission tried to disenfranchise Detroit voters. But people on the Zoom call shut that down by exposing their hypocrisy. And just think about how 2020 has changed everything. Like it used to be that someone would say, oh, I saw Martin Luther King Jr. speak at the Lincoln Memorial. But in 20 years, it'll be like, oh, I saw this dude in an orange polo yell at a racist on Zoom. I think his name was Ted or or Ed or something. Oh, it was so good. And it's especially impressive that that guy could be so morally compelling because it's not easy to be engaging on Zoom. You lose all emotion. I bet you if MLK had been on Zoom, he wouldn't have been as impressive. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day we will find... Oh, damn it, my cat has peed on the bed again. Whiskers, what did I tell you about jumping on the bed and doing that when you got your litter box? So on the one hand, it's great that this election board scheme was stopped. But on the other hand, you know things are going bad when an election board is making national news. Because I'll be honest, before yesterday, I'd never heard of a four-person canvassing board or Wayne County or Michigan. Now, while it's true that no one has turned up evidence of widespread fraud, Georgia just finished recounting its votes and they found 2,600 ballots that had not been counted, with most of those votes being votes for Trump. Now, that means Trump could lose Georgia by around 13,000 votes instead of 14,000 votes. But it still shows you two things. One, elections aren't perfect, and mistakes can end up costing candidates votes. But two, it shows you that Donald Trump is so far behind that nothing he can do will help him. But here's the truth. Whether you agree with Donald Trump or not, you can't deny that discovering thousands of votes weren't counted will definitely make some people doubt the validity of an election, especially if your side lost. I mean, imagine if after Hillary's loss, people found out that Wisconsin didn't count thousands of votes. Liberal Twitter would have lost its mind. So don't be surprised that the megaverse is doing it now. And yes, yes, Donald Trump made up these voter fraud claims. I don't deny that. But uncounted ballots for Joe Biden as well, by the way, and Trump make Trump look right. You know, it's like if your partner accused you of cheating and you weren't, but then Tinder sends you a notification saying it found you a match, you'd lose your shit. Baby, this was from two years ago. I was updating the phone and it installed the old apps. I don't use Tinder anymore. This was from two years ago. Please don't leave me. But let's move on to our big story. Because whatever he thinks on Twitter, I think Donald Trump understands that in real life, he's not gonna be president after January 20th. And the reason I think that is because he and his administration have been working overtime to rush through policies and regulatory changes as fast as they can. So let's take a look at some of the things that Trump is trying to squeeze in on his way out. In our new segment, Donald Trump, go big and go home. First up in Trump's lame duck flame out, military action. The president is getting out of wars that he doesn't want to be in and maybe getting into one that he does. 
U.S. military commanders being given their orders moments ago. Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller announcing that the majority of troops will be pulled out of the region just five days before Joe Biden is inaugurated. There will still actually, though, be 2,500 troops in both Iraq and Afghanistan. The decision from President Trump comes despite warnings from military leaders like recently removed Defense Secretary Mark Esper that conditions haven't been met there for withdrawal. President Trump considered a military strike against Iran during a meeting just last week. Sources confirmed to ABC that Trump asked his top national security advisors what options were available to take out those nuclear sites, but Trump was talked out of military action with those top aides warning him it could lead to a bigger conflict. Hold up. Trump wants to end a war in Iraq, but start one in Iran? Ooh. I don't know if he can pull that off, guys. I mean, first off, there's no way Trump knows the difference between Iraq and Iran. And secondly, he's only got two months left in office. So if he goes to war with Iran, he's gonna have to speed run it, you know? He'll be parachuting into Tehran like, go, 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 bum, bum, bum. We were just boys. Step, 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 jump, 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 done. And no matter what anyone says, this is gonna be whiplash for those American troops because this is a conflicting message, right? Yay, we're going home, wait. Why are we going to Tehran? Is Waze acting up again? And here's the thing, even if you think it's a good idea to end wars, it's very stressful when it's Donald Trump and he's on a two month timeline. I mean, Donald Trump's whole career has been a failed game of Monopoly. So I don't feel great about him playing a speed version of Risk. Moving on to Alaska, America's hard to reach top shelf. The state is home to the largest area of untouched wilderness in the United States. And Donald Trump has just two months left to change that. With his days numbered in the White House, President Trump is rushing to auction off oil and gas drilling rights to the Arctic National Refuge in Alaska. The president is trying to lock in the drilling rights for this Arctic National Wildlife Refuge uh, before President-elect Joe Biden takes office in 65 days. Uh, what the Trump administration did today is they started the process of leasing off uh, tracts of land uh, in that uh, wildlife refuge known as Anwar, uh, asking drillers to essentially pick tracts of land that where they would like to drill on. And that's that sets off a 30-day clock uh, before a sale is actually, a sale date is actually announced. Hell yeah, baby. The climate thought it could breathe easy because Donald Trump lost the election. Oh, hell no. Guess what? None of us are gonna be breathing easy. Ha <laughs> ha. Wait, this is a bad thing, right? At this point, Trump is just stripping America for parts. You know? He's just there in his yard, like, throw in another 50 bucks and I'll give you the Constitution. Between you and me, it barely works anymore. But I think it's obvious what he's doing. Trump thinks that if he sells off enough of America, there won't be anything left for Joe Biden to be president of. He's gonna be like, here's the key, Joe. You've got the White House, you've got this sidewalk, and everything else belongs to Exxon. And finally, chickens. The birds that always look like they just saw some shit. Americans eat nine billion chickens every single year. And President Trump apparently wants one of his last acts in office to be meeting that demand. The Trump administration is proposing a new rule that will allow chicken slaughterhouses to process birds more quickly. The proposal raises the maximum line speed by 25% to 175 chickens per minute. It's unclear if the administration will be able to get the change approved before President Trump leaves office. It's almost like Trump is trying to be the worst president for every species. Humans, wolves, and now even chickens. Why does he want to kill chickens 
pasta. I mean, this sounds like they made him wait three minutes for his KFC order once, and he was like, this can never happen ever again. And let's be clear. The reason that there's a speed limit on chicken production lines is to give poultry inspectors time to make sure the meat is safe, bird flu, and to make sure that the workers are less likely to injure themselves. I mean, the last thing you want is for your chicken fingers to come with actual fingers. Although it is possible that Trump doesn't know any of this. He might just assume this is a military decision because he still thinks Colonel Sanders is one of the Joint Chiefs. But regardless, why is he spending time on this? Doesn't this guy know that Corona is out of control right now? Sir, too many people are dying in the streets. Coronavirus is going crazy in America. I hear you loud and clear, James. We gotta kill more chickens to even it out. So, that's how Trump has spent his time since election day. And if Trump has decided to do all of this in the first two weeks after the election, can you imagine what else he can do in the next eight weeks? Oh, we should all just pray that he never realizes the nuclear football can be used for more than just throwing at Eric. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna be checking in with Lewis Black. And don't forget, Lindsey Vaughn is still coming up, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. As the Trump presidency winds down, there are plenty of questions about what happens next to the world of MAGA. Well, to help us answer some of those questions, let's check in with Lewis Black for another episode of Back in Black. Lewis, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Oh, never better, Trevor. I was just out on the street and some guy vaccinated me. Vaccinate? Lewis, the vaccine isn't available yet. Oh, look, it was something in a syringe. I'll take it. Man, you're always living on the edge, Lewis. You gotta be careful. But let's get into the news. With Joe Biden's victory becoming clearer and clearer every single day, it seems like at this point, Fox News is like the only place where Donald Trump can still be president. Oh, you you think so? But actually, Fox News is bailing on Trump, too. Don't forget, they were the first to call Arizona for Biden. And more and more, they're calling bullshit on Trump's bullshit. Neil Cavuto cut away from White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany as she was making unfounded claims that Democrats had rigged the election. We want every legal vote to be counted, and we want every illegal vote to whoa, whoa, whoa. be... I just think we have to be very clear. She's charging... Uh, the other side is welcoming fraud and welcoming illegal voting. Unless she has more details to back that up, I can't in good countenance continue showing you this. It's already been called for President-elect Joe Biden. Just because CNN says, or even Fox News says that somebody's president doesn't make him president. So I think everybody what? wants to know that this was done properly mm. and legally. What is happening? Like, Trace, we've results. called it. Wow. I never thought I'd see this day. So Fox News is pro-Biden now? Well, not pro-Biden, but they're, they're definitely Biden curious. Either way, it looks like it's Splitsville for Fox News and Donald Trump. And I'd be worried if I were Fox, because if there's one thing Trump actually has experience in, it's dumping blondes. Yeah, I mean, either way though, Lewis, like Trump supporters can't be happy to see his favorite news network abandon him. What do you think Trump supporters are gonna do? Well, they'll take some time to process the loss, maybe disconnect from the media for a while, curl up with a good novel, and consider that maybe they'd be happier not living in a constant state of seething rage and grievance. Oh, that actually sounds nice. You think that's really what they'll do? No, 
They're finding somewhere else to guzzle their cocktail of made-up bullshit. Right-wing fanatics haven't fled like this since they were buying tickets to Argentina at the end of World War II. And lucky for them, small outlets like Newsmax TV and OAN are offering a new place to call home. Trump won the election. He'll he won, and the only thing Democrats can do is trick all of us into believing he didn't. Stop declaring Biden as the winner, because it ain't over yet. They're trying to convince us that Joe Biden have more of the popular vote than any other president in history. Mathematically, that's impossible. That's right. Right now, Joe Biden is pretending to be the president-elect. And it's elect Joe Biden. I don't think so. I just don't think so. It doesn't look right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. You remember the heavyweight champion, Joe Frazier? He died eight years ago. He voted two years ago. The actor Will Smith has a grandfather who died about four years ago. He's voted in the last two elections. And that number now is growing. I think it's up to 700 dead people who voted in Philadelphia. God, isn't it great, Trevor? Joe Frazier and Will Smith's granddad are voting together. God, it's amazing how exciting the news can be when you just make it up. Okay, but, but Lewis, this is the first time I've ever heard of these channels. Like, is anyone really watching them? Well, you bet your liberal bubble ass they are. These networks are thriving. You see, at the end of October, Newsmax averaged 65,000 viewers. But just a week after the election, some of their shows are breaking a million viewers. That's corona-level growth. And good luck trying to vaccinate against stupid Pfizer. And Trevor, when I see how the right-wing media is exploiting its gullible viewers, it makes me sad. And also jealous. I want in. You want in? Well, what does that even mean, Lewis? <laughs> it means I'm starting my own network. You saw what Newsmax and OAN look like. All it takes is a few bargain basement graphics, no editorial standards, and a tenuous grip on reality. This is the job I was born for. Check it out. Are you sick of those commies at Fox News spewing their left-wing propaganda? Then sign up for Lose Max TV. You'll get the political insights you crave from the angriest man on TV. The Democratic Party is trying to steal your eyes. With Bluesmax TV, you'll know what to think about all of today's newsmakers. Like AOC. She's the devil! Joe Biden. John ah! Jr. I think he would make a great president. Can't believe what I do for money. And it's not just politics. Bluesmax will give you the weather the liberal media won't tell you about. This hurricane is the house. Where's the wind? You can't see it, so it's not real. And all the sports you can handle. I don't trust NBA players. And I think you know why. The black stuff. Oh yeah, he just said that out loud. Other networks will imply it, but I'll whisper it. Just $49.99 a month or $59.99 if you want the shirtless version. So sign up today for Lose Max TV. Give me your f***ing money.
Well, how about it, Trevor? Right now, we've got a deal. 12 months for the price of 15. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to think about it, Lewis. Oh, that's all right. I got your credit card number. Wait, what? what? How, did you, how did you get oh, my credit card? Bye. No, Lewis, how did you get my credit? No, Lewis! All right, I've got to go cancel my credit card. But when we come back, Congresswoman Lucy McBath tells me about how Democrats can win or lose Georgia. And Olympic champion Lindsey Vaughn is joining us on the show. You don't want to miss it. Do I call them that? How do you cancel a card? Oh, man, Lewis. Oh, he's charged me already? Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Congresswoman Lucy McBath of Georgia. We talked about her state's importance in this election and how losing her son to gun violence motivated her to become the lawmaker that she is today. Congresswoman McBath, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Well, thank you, Trevor. I'm so excited to be with you. And I have to be honest with you, uh, my younger sister is your biggest fan. And my family has always said, you know, when are you going to be on a show? Once you're on a show, you've really made it. So wow. thank you for validating me. Wow. <laughs> I like how they've got shifted priorities because in my world, becoming a congresswoman uh, and, and living the life that you have lived and how you got there, many people know of your story, but for those who don't, you started your story from a place that I feel many people should start in politics, and that is a personal place. You were a flight attendant for most of your life. You lost your son to gun violence, and you didn't just mourn his passing. You decided to step up and do something about it, and so you ran to change not just his world, but the world and how America sees guns. So in my world, you have made it. And we, we're gonna talk about all of that today. So thank you so much for, for, for joining us on the show. Um, let's start first talking about Georgia, because that's what's really in the news right now. Georgia has become what many people thought it would never, a battleground state. When you look at what has happened in Georgia, do you think that this is Georgia changing, or do you think that this is Georgia responding to Donald Trump? Georgia is changing. Uh, Trevor, as I've been seeing for years now, that this is the new South. And I think the resistance that we've seen is just that, the resistance to the new South. And just the amazing movement building that's been done, the strategizing that's been done, the grassroots organizing that's been done. I knew we were gonna be a top tier battleground state. And so I'd been telling people all along, please invest in Georgia. You know, the best is yet to come. And we've, we've shown that. You know, we made President Trump a one-term president, and we've actually been able to be a deciding state for, you know, President-elect uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So, yes, the South is changing, and I'm glad that this peach state has the ability to be um, on the front lines of that. Reading your memoir, I mean, it's inspiring and it's, it's heartbreaking at the same time because you read this tale of a woman who goes through the gripping experience of losing her son. Your son was shot by a man who felt like his friend was playing the music too loud in the car. That was it. And then try to use stand your ground laws to defend what he had done in taking his life. You then use this, and, and, and that's become part of the title of your book, is Standing Our Ground. What do you think it is about the coalition of mothers that you formed around the country that has moved the idea of gun advocacy forward? Well, as mothers, as women, we're the central focus of our homes oftentimes. We're the protectors. We're, we're often providers. And we want to make sure that when we send our family out the door, when we send our children out the door, that they come home safely. We do everything that we can. And so building this grassroots coalition of mothers and also survivors is really 
um, indicative of what we need to do, what we'll have to do to make sure that we are providing safe spaces for our children and our families in our own communities. And that's what we've been doing. And, you know, over 90 believe in, you know, gun safety legislation, common sense legislation that really will provide safety nets for our families and also making sure that our law abiding gun owners are using their guns in a way that is um, providing a safety net as well um, right. when they're using those guns. A lot of people in your position would have become a single issue candidate. A lot of people in your position would have gone, all I'm here to talk about is guns, but you're actually looking to, to improve healthcare, to improve gun uh, reform, to improve veterans' healthcare, you know, and, and then the support that veterans get. And you've really been fighting for a lot of these issues, which surprisingly, as a Democrat, you've gotten signed by Donald Trump, not once, not twice, but three times. So the magic question then is, how have you managed to work laws or create ideas that have gotten a sign off from Republicans who have shown the ability to block so many different ideas? I've always reached across the aisle to find some common ground with uh, my Republican colleagues that we could work upon. Um, because when we don't work together, and we, we end up in the mess that we've been in it in, you know, for so long now, because we've not been working together for the sake of our constituents that are really depending on us in Washington every single day to create value for them. Our constituents all have the same need to provide the best of what America says they deserve. Representative Jim Clyburn said something interesting. And this was after the results started coming in, and it was apparent that Joe Biden had won, but down ballot. Democrats seem to have taken a beating. And he said, there is no denying that defund the police and abolish the police and, and socialism hurt the Democrats' message. As somebody who is elected in a state that is really moderate and very close, how do you communicate some of these ideas? Like, is there, is there a different way that you communicate progressive ideas without isolating um, Republican or moderate voters? I mean, I wish, of course, we'd been able to pick up more seats for the House. But, you know, you have to find what works within your own community. That's what I have said to my uh, colleagues all the time, is that what I say or what I represent to my community might be completely different from another community, right. um, from, another, from another one of my colleagues. I would love, love for us to be able to hold on to some of the seats. Some of my colleagues that came in with me, my freshman colleagues, I was very pained by the fact that, you know, they won't be returning with us. But there again, I think that each of us has been able to um, just really speak very candidly to our own constituents. All of our demographics are different. But as I said, you know, there are a lot of different voices in this caucus and that that's what makes us so unique. I'll be honest, I think that's one of the things that makes you unique is that not only are you a symbol of that, but you articulate it so well to everybody who takes the time to listen. Thank you so much by, for coming on the show. And thank you to your family who think that I am the thing that means you've made it. I don't agree, but I appreciate them. So thank you so much to your younger sister, because between me and her, she's right. She's not right, but between me and her, she's very right. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Trevor. And I just want to say this. Thank you so much for having such a deep conversation with me, because it reminds me of all the conversations I used to have at the kitchen table with Jordan. So thank you wow. for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. That means the world to me. Take care. Don't forget, Congresswoman McBath's memoir, Standing Our Ground, A Mother's Story, is now available in paperback. Stick around, because when we come back, Lindsey Vaughn joins me on the show to talk about her new TV show, 
and her new co-star. Spoiler alert, he's really furry. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Olympic gold medalist, Lindsey Vaughn. We talked about her life off the slopes, the new reality show that she's co-hosting with her dog, and so much more. Lindsey Vaughn, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> Thank you, good to be here. Um, before we get into all the things that you are doing, I wonder if you are ever happy that you retired when you did, because I feel like you retired and then the whole world had to retire because of coronavirus. I remember <laughs> when you were retiring, I was like, ah, oh, Lindsay, what are you gonna do now? You're just gonna sit at home and eat like chips and do nothing? Ha ha ha, enjoy your life, loser. And now we are all losers with you. Do, are you happy now? Um, yeah, you know, I think it was pretty good timing. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not jealous of everyone that's trying to travel the world right now. Let's talk a little bit about what Lindsay Vaughn has been doing since then. You have an exciting new show uh, called The Pack, and you shot this before um, the virus shutdowns. It's a really fun show where you are competing, like people are competing against each other, but, but their teammate is their dog. I mean, it's way better than having a, a teammate as a human being, I think. Um, it's a lot more exciting. But yeah, this is my lovely co-host, Lucy, my dog. Um, right. it, was, it was a really fun show to, to do, actually. And we were right, right, right before COVID happened. Uh-huh. We, we were kind of escaping every city before it kind of got shut down. Wow. Yeah, so it was a little bit intense, but um, luckily we made it through. We got the whole um, series done. And uh, on Friday, you guys will see the finished product. Hopefully you like it. So you have this competition where people are traveling literally around the globe and they're, they're taking part in like different events and they're competing, but with their dog. So like, when your dog makes you lose, is it the dog's fault or is it your fault for not training the dog adequately? Um, I mean, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, a lot of the dogs had a, had a hard time because, you know, even though they would be good at a task, there yeah. would be, you know, let's say a crowd forming while we're shooting. And so oh, they would get distracted. Yes. Yes. And so it's not necessarily their fault because they're really good at the task, but I mean, the humans get distracted as well. Right, so right. I say it's a team effort. You know, there are some challenges that were more geared towards the dog, obviously, and some mm -hmm. that were more geared towards a human. I think that the dogs probably excelled sometimes more than the humans. Um, but that was, that's the entertaining part of the show. And um, I don't know, I watched the first episode and I cried. So I think you're going to, you're going to have a lot of emotions. I think it's, just really nice with everything that's going on right now. You know, you can kind of see the world without actually having to travel and yes. you get to watch a lot of dogs in slow-mo, which let's face it, everyone wants to see. You're not the only one who would probably cry when watching the first episode because you have Lucy right there next to you, who is your co-host for the show, but then you have two other dogs. You have Leo and you have Bear and they, they're not your co-hosts. And I think that they're gonna be really sad when they watch the show and be like, wow, how come Lucy got chosen and we didn't? Is there a reason? Do you have a favorite? I mean, Is that what you're saying, Lindsay? You know, I actually, my favorite dog is actually not her. It's my other dog, Leo. And I wish that I could travel with them, but they're like a hundred pounds each. And <laughs> also they always get into trouble i.e. they got into a fight with a porcupine and like a couple weeks ago. And so I just, I can't rely on them. Like Lucy's a talent and she's always there. 
She may be sleeping, but at least she's there. You know, the boys, you know, boys are trouble. Lindsay Vaughn isn't just making shows. She's also producing shows. She's also gonna be co-directing a documentary about her hero and a skiing legend, Peekaboo Street. You talked about her being the reason that you got into the sport. What is it like to now come full circle and be the person who's gonna be documenting her life? It's so rewarding. I mean, I can't tell you, of, I wouldn't be excited for any other project besides this one. I mean, she is why I'm here, you know, and now I get to show her the respect that I feel so strongly about her and be wow. able to tell her story. And, you know, obviously working with Frank Marshall is a dream come true. He's a legend. One thing I've really enjoyed about watching your, your journey post sports has been how much you've just like, you, you've, you've become comfortable being uncomfortable in the space of inspiring others. And what I mean by that is like, it's easy to be inspiring or it's easier to be inspiring when you're winning races, when you're doing your thing, when you're out there. But like, we've seen a side of Lindsey Vonn over the past year that like a lot of people never knew beforehand. You know, we've seen Lindsey Vonn sharing like her journey of how hard it is to stay in shape now that she's not a professional athlete. We've seen the Lindsey Vonn who I think has changed so many people's lives by going like, hey, I'm gonna be on Instagram and I'm gonna take pictures in my bikini because I'm on a vacation. And you know what I'm not gonna do? I'm not gonna retouch these pictures, not because you shouldn't, but just because I don't want you to think that I'm perfect in a way that I'm not, I'm perfect the way that I am. That is terrifying. That it's is truly, very terrifying. truly <laughs> terrifying. Like, how do, you, how do you get to that place where you go, you know what, I know the internet is gonna come for me. I know there's gonna be trolls. I know people are gonna chip away at my self-esteem but I'm going to do this and I'm gonna make this my cause. Why did Lindsey Vaughn choose to do that? You know, I've, I've felt for the last 10 years that I've gotten that, you know, people have come after me, they've chipped away at my self-confidence. And I really wish I could say that I have such tough skin that nothing ever got to me, but that's just not the case. You know, I think you're not human if some of those negative things don't get to you in some way, shape or form. But I think now, you know, I'm finally comfortable enough in my skin where I can say, this is me. You know, I don't care if you come after me. I don't care if you think that I'm, you know, someone that I'm not. I'm not perfect. And actually no one is. So the fact that we're trying to be perfect is counterintuitive. Like we should just right. accept who we are. We're all unique. We're all beautiful. We're all special. And I think with COVID, you know, I just kind of realized what's important to me. And I think I've had to take a moment to really think about who I am and what I want and the image I want to portray. And I'm myself and, th and that's the image that I want to show people. I'm, I'm myself, I'm raw, I'm unedited. I'm 100% me, take it or leave it. I'll tell you this, man, as a friend and as a human being, I've always admired you for being a legend on the slopes, but I think your legacy will be even more legendary for all the things that you're doing off the slopes. Thank you so much for joining me on the show again. Look after yourself and good luck with Leo and Bear when they find out that you betrayed them. <laughs> Thanks Trevor, you're the best. Thanks Lindsay, see you again. Don't forget, The Pack premieres on Amazon Prime Video this Friday, November 20th. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, Thanksgiving is coming up. And in the era of Corona, I wanted to remind you that there are many seniors who are stuck at home and are at greater risk than ever because many of them don't know where their next meal is coming from. Now, luckily, Meals on Wheels is out there in the streets delivering meals to elderly Americans every single day in communities around the country. Until tomorrow, though, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, it's not about the size of the tree. It's about the motion of the... No, that doesn't work. Yeah, it's about the size of the tree. 
The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 